In the same moment, his sight flared, like someone had put a pipe across the back of his skull. Jack spun back the way he'd come, so quickly that he dragged Pete around in a drunken dance with him. Two figures moved through the crowd disgorged from a Bristol train. Two men in workman's coveralls, when he looked straight on, and emaciated forms with black bleeding holes for eyes when he blinked. Jack skidded to a stop, Pete stumbling against him. Fuck. Pete's eyes widened. What is it? What's happened? Those two, Jack jerked his chin. The figures passed by and threw travelers, and where they touched, faces fell and eyes narrowed in anger. Travelers shoved, babies shrieked. A woman in a green wool coat slapped her lover and ran off in the direction of the loo, sobbing. Yeah? Pete let go of him, dropping her shoulders and curling her fists, like a small but determined bulldog. Jack had witnessed her drop men twice her size, but these were not men. The cold encroachment of their energy prickled the hair on his arms, made the ink in his tattoos dense, made the black spin in front of his eyes as his sight screamed to show him the true faces of the things before him. Slua, he said. Gesundheit, Pete said hopefully. Jack shook his head. An entry from one of Seth McBride's diaries swam up into his mind. Slua. Restless spirits. Seth may have been a wanker, the bastard child of conman, mage, and roaring Irish drunk. But he knew ghosts, knew them better than any man besides Jack himself. He'd taught Jack enough to stay alive for another nineteen-odd years, at least. The restless dead, Jack said aloud. Sent away from the bleak gates to trouble the living. The twinned ghosts opened their mouths in a single silent scream, and in unison raised arms of desiccated flesh and bone tipped with black nails that curled over with graveyard growth. They pointed at Jack, eyes and teeth spilling black pollution across the psychic space of Paddington. I gather they're not here to have a pint and a laugh, Pete said. No, Jack said. The slower appear at the moment of a person's death. He turned in a slow circle, watching more and more of the silent howling and pointing fingers appear in the crowd. And they always travel in packs. They're here for you, Pete snugged close against his side their arms touching along the length. She wasn't asking him the question except as a courtesy, and Jack was relieved he didn't have to answer. As a mage, whatever horrid thing crawled from under a rock was most likely there for you and your skin, and Pete had at least learned that much. Jack watched the slua by turns, counted them, felt the chill abrasion of the dead against his sight. They advanced, in flickers and slithers, leaving a black trail across the floor of Paddington. Cold stole across Jack's cheeks and burned his lungs, and the slua watched, pointed, marked him as the death they'd come to claim. Jack! He became aware of Pete shouting in a harsh whisper, 
to avoid passers-by noticing her panic. Still tight against him, like they were twins sharing a heart. Shield Hex, she mouthed. The slewer were close enough to touch now, if he'd been a madman with a death wish. No, Jack said tightly, no bloody good. The dead were not tempered or repelled by living magic. Unwanted, the memory of Algernon Treadwell and his overweening hunger came to Jack, born on the cold air ruffled by the passage of the slewer. Don't just stand there like a knob. Not the fix, now. A little of Seth, a little of Pete, a little of his own survival instinct, battered and bloodied as it was. Only blood could sate a spirit, and only dead blood could sate the slower. Jack snatched Pete's hand, and the jolt of her magic, the sight, and his own talent nearly unbalanced him again. Run, he ordered. Run and don't look back.